we ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which was, there's no such thing as a fish. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fish. No, seriously, it's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph, no such thing as a fish. <laughs> Second episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. This is a QI Elf podcast coming to you from our offices in Covent Garden. We want to say, first of all, thanks to everyone who listened to the first episode that we put out last week. Got huge numbers. Uh, we weren't expecting it, and really great feedback. There's a lot of technical hiccups that we are sorting out. We're going to get on with this second podcast now. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with three other QI Elves James Harkin, Anna Chazinski, and Andy Murray. And once again, we're huddled around our microphone. And and these are the best facts that we found out from the last seven days. So in no particular order, here we go. Okay, first fact, and let's go with you, Anna. Uh, yeah, I found out this week that the first ever sandwich that we know about uh, contained wine. Yeah, it was a wine sandwich. <laughs> wine it, it, sandwich? It, it, so bread with wine? It had other stuff in it, but wine was one of the ingredients, yeah. So wow. um, the first recorded sandwich was actually more of a wrap. Um, it was called a koretch, and it was invented by Hillel, who's a Jewish um, Jewish religious leader from, like, 100 BC. So the Jews have been, like, at this festival eating wine and figs and spices and stuff all mixed up together for about a thousand years. And he decided to just shove it between some flatbread. And oh. uh, part of the concoction was wine. They mixed so this isn't wine. the oh. Earl of Sandwiches invention. Invention. I'm doing the inverted commas sign yeah. there when I say that. So he was, this is way before that. This is this is way before that. The Earl oh. of Sandwich claims credit where it's not me. due. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've never heard that. And that's actually probably. I don't think we've done that. Jenig on QI, who invented the sandwich, have we? That no. Yeah. But what did what did the Earl of Sandwich do, if anything? I think he um, was the first person to. I, I mean, he probably wasn't, but he was known for shoving meat between bread in the West. People say it's because he was a like a gambler. voracious gambler. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's I, no way that he invented the sandwich, anyway, is there? Because, no. like, obviously, for like you say, forever, people have been putting things in between two slices of bread. Yeah, it's so obvious. I think I like this idea of people just putting their name to something which has been invented for so long. Like in 1999 in Japan, um, someone patented curry. As wow. In, yeah. What happened was the very next year, 80 people tried to patent pizza after this happened. Really? Yeah. Well, there was a guy in Australia who successfully patented the wheel, right? Oh, yeah. What successfully? was that? Yeah, successfully. <laughs> but that was actually the first wheel in Australia. It was just 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. He successfully did it, and it made it pass. And he, was, he did it as a kind of uh, parody protest to show how things were getting through the net when it came to patents. Oh, because okay. I think to a lot of people were getting stuff stolen in Australia uh, as an invention, and so, okay. yeah, he successfully I remember the it. guy um, in the 70s who patented the comb-over. That's oh, another yeah. one. Like, obviously, that's been happening forever, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, from the, uh, this is from the Wikipedia about the sandwich, full disclosure, but what it says is, before being known as sandwiches, this food combination seems to simply have been known as Bread and meat. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or meat and bread, bread and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I just thought that would work for all fillings. Yeah. You just bread and... Yeah, bread and cheese and mayo. Can yeah. you imagine? I'm just going to go and have a cheese and ham, bread and cheese and ham. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I was thinking about because um, the idea of wine going into a sandwich uh, is it's a nice thing about what else goes into a sandwich that you would not expect. But then I started thinking, oh, I bet there's a lot of stuff that goes into wine that we don't expect. Mm-hmm. But um, okay. there's a nettle wine. So nettle oh, yeah. being those stingy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so you can get nice. nettle. That's it. There's cannabis wine, which is available, which has become really popular in the US. This is my favorite one. It's a Chilean wine, um, and it's been created using meteorite formed during the birth of the solar system. <laughs> what? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's been developed by a guy called Ian Hutchin. He's an English guy working in Chile. It's a meteorite that's believed to have crashed in the Atacama Desert in northern Chile about 6,000 years ago, uh, and it's submerged in the wine during the fermenta- um Fermentation process, yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a meteorite wine. I mean, that's wow. that's, that's extremely cool. cool. Yeah, okay. I really want Does to taste nice? that. In China, you can get something called three penis wine. Uh-huh. Can you guess what's in that? Two penises. Uh, no, three penises. <laughs> it, it does contain, it yeah, it does contain three different penises. Of what? Of okay, animals. so deer. Which animal? Yeah, deer is one of them. And it's supposed to be like a general pick-me-up kind of but deer. Bird? Maybe a bird? One of the birds with a penis? Yeah, most birds don't have penises, do they? 97% of bird species have no penises. Yeah. But the wow. other three... The Some of them have very, very players. Yeah, <laughs> the Argentinian lake duck, forty-five centimeters and and curled and, wow. and, blue. and that's just a blue tit. <laughs> yeah. If you um, if you're listening to this at home, uh, Google Argentinian lake duck penis, and you'll see exactly what Andy's talking about. Yep. It is epic. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, well, what's the third penis? I can't remember. Mystery penis. Mystery penis. <laughs> Lucky dip penis. Penis du jour. <laughs> there, is a, there is one other wine. It's a Japanese wine, which uh, is called Japanese feces wine. <laughs> it's, it's known as tongsol, and it's uh, primarily made using human or animal feces. So this is a, it's, what, what's, the, what's the third kind of feces that they can use? Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to trump that even for a disgusting wine. Uh-huh. Uh, in 1495, it was reported that the Spanish were mixing the blood of lepers with their wine and feeding it to the French as a early kind of biological warfare. That's pretty wow. rank, isn't it? Were they at war at the time? Yeah. It wasn't a preemptive. Okay. So, le- leper, sorry, leper what? Leper's blood. But it probably wouldn't have done any harm. No. no because 90% of people, 95, are immune That's to... That's Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease, or yeah. leprosy anyway. And a lot of people were probably misidentifying leprosy even then as other skin conditions. Um, I'd, I'd really like to quickly say a word for the, about the Earl of Sandwich yeah. um, because I love him. It's actually the current Earl of Sandwich I wanted to mention, the 11th Earl of Sandwich, who's direct descendant of the Earl of Sandwich, because he... So he's obviously thought, I'm the Earl of Sandwich, and I've got this son called Orlando, so he's got Orlando who's going to be the Earl of Sandwich. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and set up a sandwich shop and go into business with this guy called Robert Earl, and it's going to be in Orlando and so that's what he did. So the current Earl of Sandwich owns a sandwich shop in Disneyland Orlando. Called Orlando Bloomers. It's <laughs> oh, be great. It should be. It's called the Earl of Sandwich. The good thing about um, the Disneyland in um, Tokyo, and mm-hmm. you'll know this better than me, Andy, but didn't the not one of the North Korean um, Kim Jong... You know one this of guy? Kim Jong-il's three sons was disinherited for going to one of the Disneylands. Really? Isn't that yeah. great? <laughs> he had three sons, and the first two botched it, and I can't remember how the other one did, but Kim Jong-nam is the eldest son of Kim Jong-il, and he was uh, detained in Japan with a fraudulent passport in 2001. He was trying to pass himself off as a Dominican 
named Pang Xiong, which translates as fat bear in Chinese. Uh-huh. And so they deported him. But he was trying to visit Tokyo Disneyland with, wow. his, with his family. I got told <laughs> the other day that, who was it? Someone I know went to South Korea and they stood at the border of South Korea and North Korea. And apparently what you see when you're at the South looking at the North is a huge cardboard cutout of a city that North Korea has put up to give the impression that they're a huge metropolis from South no, Korea. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. They're called Potemkin towns, don't they? Uh, yeah. That's a, the yeah, yeah, but it's just, like it's that. like literally like, imagine the Hollywood sign, but done as a ginormous yeah. looking city. So that's what you see when you, when what you look at North Korea. What happens when it rains? Well, it's made of, like, just... I'm sure they laminated it. Or something. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Waterproof. <laughs> there is an industrial area at the border where they both work. That was where there was a lot of recent tension, and they shut down. It's called the Kaesong Industrial Area. Oh, yeah. And actually, workers from both countries go into it every day. Thousands of them work together. So it's this one weird point of contact between the two yeah. countries. Well, I, my favourite fact about that part of the world is it's called the demilitarised zone, isn't it? Yes. But it's the world's most militarised zone. Why isn't that an Alanis Morissette song? God's yeah. sake. <laughs> <laughs> missed out on so many opportunities. Didn't scan. <laughs> we should do a rewritten QI version of Ironic. Alanis Morissette. <laughs> move on to fact two. James, uh, this is your fact. Yeah, I like this one. It's um, in 2003, three people in Mexico died of acne. So... <laughs> I love that. That's I'm good, pretty sure it? you can't die of acne, can I know. you? I don't know how they died. This just came from a list of the ways that people died. So it's on nationmaster.com and it gives all of the uh, mortality um, stats for all the different countries. And so if you looked for people dying of acne, there were seven deaths worldwide, three of which occurred in Mexico. And what I think it is, it's just the way that they do their stats and other countries might have people dying of the same thing, but they don't say it's of acne. Well, they just died with acne. Yeah. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say yeah, it's that because <laughs> I can see that and otherwise yeah. I have to cut yeah, him open it looks to me like he died of being a 5 foot 6 male yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah maybe they just they have to write they have to tick a box of what they died with them and the acne the is bit, right the at the people. very top and they're just like oh it's the it's first that's the oh, first yeah. one that yeah it's, it's an just, ailment right at the top is yeah. aardvark a disease no nah. so yeah it's going to be acne you be killed by an aardvark yeah death they do have um, yeah. lists of people who were killed by animals. 27 worldwide in 2003, people killed by contact with millipedes, which what? is pretty cool. Poisonous millipedes? or uh, Yeah, venomous ones. And I think uh, five of those were in El Salvador. I seem to remember you telling me ages ago that in Australia no one's died... Ever. <laughs> no, one's ever, no one's ever died in Australia. It's really wow. interesting. Yeah, just but we don't have acne in Australia, so oh. it's, no. But um, that no one bitten by a spider or a snake has died in the last fifty years. It's certainly been a long time since a spider bite killed anyone because they have very good anti venom now yeah. in, in Australia. I think it was the nineteen eighties, and I just remember looking this up because I got paranoid that I'd been bitten by a black spider in in Tasmania pretty sure that I was going to be the next case. Wow. What we do a lot on QI is find, like, people with funny deaths. And yeah. I don't think that's bad because death is just a part of peop- of life and, you know, yeah. we all die and if it can be quite a funny thing, then that's good. So 
You could have been in one of those lists of... You of could have been a stat. Famous You would have staff. liked it. It would have been announced in the QI office and you would have been like, that's awesome. That's what a great put it on my fat That's list. going on <laughs> series. Um, I, I almost had a death, which I thought if if it happened, it would have made a nice list for you. Well, when I was living in Hampstead, we got evacuated from our apartment one day because police were outside. They didn't even tell us, but we went outside and then they didn't let us back in. And I was like, what's going on? And they said, we found in the basement of your flat an unexploded World War II bomb. And so wow. they had people inside uh, detonating the bomb. But it struck me that had that had gone off, the person calling my parents, the police officer, would have had to have said, your son's met with a tragic accident. And so how'd he die? He, well, he was blown up. Who did this? We believe it to be the work of the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I would have become a victim of World War II. I that's a, Hitler would have killed me. I have an even worse one than that, because there was um, a Russian psychic in the 80s who wanted to prove that he was psychic. And so he stood in front of a moving train and tried to stop it with his mind and was okay. killed by the train. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, have one, I have one death which I'd like to share. Please. Wow. This is the man who introduced the camel to Australia. Oh, yeah. His name is John Ainsworth Horrocks, and he died in 1846. And he brought the first camels there because they were used to build the railways. And the result is now that there are a million feral camels in Australia. Um, but anyway, the man who introduced them, John Ainsworth Horrocks, was killed by his own camel. What? He... What, trampled to death? No, he was what? riding it, and he was reloading his gun. It, it sort of lurched a bit as he did so, and the gun went off, blasted him in the arm and in the body. He lived four days during which he ordered the camel to be shot. <laughs> <laughs> what a bitter man. <laughs> I looked at um, so acne just because I was so oh, yeah. sceptical about the idea of acne killing you oh, yeah. um, So and then got really caught up in theories about acne from the 19th century what caused it so for like 150 years they were referred to as chastity pustules because it was thought <laughs> that the reason you had acne was because you weren't having sex and so like doctors wrote so um, I've got this quote from a doctor in about eight, the 1830s it is a fact that this affection disappears in young girls immediately after marriage and that it is especially seen in young men who observe rigorous chastity. Um, and so they thought, well, so first of all, doctors recommend that you marry as soon as possible to get rid of them. Um, and then they thought another way of, like, alleviating it was to give people laxatives because that, I guess, like... I don't know, expels, Purge purges you in a similar yeah. way. But weirdly, they do actually work to cure acne. Well, so they try laxatives, and laxatives do work. Okay. Acne comes... I, can I tell you my acne thing? It comes from the Greek word kneon, meaning I gnaw or I scrape. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I have another cool death here. This was um, a guy called Morton Norbury. And in 1910, all I know about him is he was killed after an argument over who possessed the most handsome moustache. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good name. That's it? wonderful. What's his yeah. name? Morton Norbury? Morton Norbury is a great name. He sounds well, so it? like a guy with a huge moustache. <laughs> I'm on yeah. his side. Okay, uh, time for fact number three. That is my fact. This week I bought a copy of... There's a new book out called This is Improbable 2 by Mark Abrams. Mark Abrams is the founder of the Ig Nobel Prizes. He's also a good kind of QI family yeah, friend. we love him. We've, he's been on Museum of Curiosity. We often do talks at his Ig Nobel tours. Uh, one's going to be happening yeah, this year. Yeah, if you um, go on to... If you check out uh, Mark Abrahams... He's at Mark Abrahams or check out mine at Egg Shape. We'll post up when we're going to be uh, yeah. appearing in that. So he's so this book is basically a collection. He runs as well as the Nobel Prizes a magazine which is called the Annals of Improbable Research, and it's a kind of a collection of all the greatest 
research projects that have been undertaken by scientists around the world. He collects them, rewrites them. And, and so I'm reading the book at the moment, and there was one story which, it's not so much a fact, but I, I really like the idea of it. It's all the other notable Einsteins out there. His, his point being that it's very hard to have the surname Einstein if you work in science, because... There's, a, there's quite a famous one who worked in science, <laughs> and he often overshadows the rest of them. So the most notable ones that are out there is Emmy Einstein, who uh, has set an equation that predicts the composition of a pork carcass. There's also a lady called Rosemary Einstein, who um, she and two other colleagues at the University of Leeds investigated the use of cannabis and alcohol and tobacco by 300 young persons at the university. So these these are two people who've published reports that have been quite successful in the scientific community. But it did get me thinking about other namesakes, other people with incredible shadows to jump over. Uh, in and yeah, it must be hard. I'll, maybe it opens some doors, or maybe it, like it just puts a lot of pressure on you. I think you're right. I think it does open doors. So are there any other Obamas out there at the moment? At the moment, not really. I mean, there's a, there's a prime minister in, um, I can't remember what country, but he's Obama and he's currently in power. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think he's related, but um, he's, I'll see if I can it's find It's not actually name. Obama, just secretly running a thing on the side. I have one found an Obama, <laughs> which I think is okay. uh, better than the, Barack, than the than current Barack Obama. Yes. best Obama. Um, no way. Yep. It's the city of Obama in Japan. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Don't say, Come on. Okay, um, I'll give you a chance. It's got a population of 32,000, so already that's pretty good. Yeah. I imagine they'll be quite productive. And they make 80% of Japan's total lacquered chopsticks. Oh, wow. that is great. That is yeah. great. Yeah. So when can, when can the president say he's done that? Made 80% of Japan's lacquered chopsticks? <laughs> he can't. I don't know. He's he working can't. two jobs as it is, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it is it is one of those things. We all have namesakes. So you, James Harkin, have a James yeah, Harkin. Yeah, there who... there's another James Harkin who writes for The, for the Guardian, I think, or some other yeah. newspapers. And um, Molly from QI met him at a party once, and um, apparently he doesn't correct people when they think he works for QI. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that if I ever want to claim any of his um, articles, which I'm sure are very good, then I can do that as well. But it's nice, as, That's like going into a, a cooperative with someone yeah. else. Yeah, I should do that with the other with, Andy with the Murray. Other Andy Murray, yeah. 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 And we just do a straight split of everything, you know, the, the money, start and a company, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, whatever, you know. I think that's Andy, fair. if you're listening. Listening to this now, just pl- please, please get in touch. Well, he needs to listen because people are coming up going, "Hey, great work on the podcast!" <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, thanks. Cheers. Yeah, no. my thing about the etymology of acne. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> this week, I've been um, trying to come up with some new facts for our book. So we did one three three nine QI facts over Christmas, yeah. and we're selling it to America. And we need to come up with some facts that work for, for an American audience to replace the ones that were for a British audience. And one that I really liked was that the first ever player drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers NFL team was called William Shakespeare. Oh, Isn't that wow. great? That's such yeah. a great fact. Yeah. really love that. Like and it's that. great, and it's great as well because you can imagine that any of uh, the journalists who really struggle with the like, running out of cliches, basically, that's just a gift. Like yeah. you suddenly got Shakespeare as a baseball player. Yeah. Like if he, he was a great football hit. player, NFL player. Uh, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't have a string of baseball jokes ready. That's what a waste. I tried to actually test out the theory of someone who is great, like do my own kind of collection of Einsteins, as it were. So I try to think of the most impressive person alive. So I, I picked who I think is sometimes pitted as the greatest living mind at the moment. So uh, the actor James Franco. James Franco is consistently, if you read a paper on him, treated as some sort of great god of the intellectual. For example, this is a quote. This is someone from an interview. Uh, he has an unusually high metabolism for productivity, a superhuman ability to focus. So anytime people write about him, they write about with these huge kind of descriptions. Wow. So check this. Okay. But okay, look, okay, I'll justify why people think he's so impressive. He's not only an actor, he's an author, he's a director, he's a poet, he's a painter. Despite having an acting career, which he's constantly doing, he's doing postgraduate courses and got permission to take as many as 62 course credits per quarter compared to the normal limit of 19 while continuing to act. He has an IQ of 140, which is considered to be genius level. Although, when I was looking into that, I know it's a bit, it's very dubious because I, the graph I saw, it had Mozart, Beethoven, James Franco, Stephen Hawking, <laughs> no, uh, Shakira. <laughs> so, it's a bit dubious. But so I kind of, I started thinking, okay, that's the best Franco we have. Mm -hmm. I want to see what about about General Franco Franco. General Franco I mean is he better than James Franco well did he do more he he did more maybe fewer movies but was in charge of more countries yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Franco. I did find one other guy who's his name. He might be a better Franco. He's called Jesus Franco. <laughs> so he's a Spanish director. He was born in 1930. Actually, he died uh, late last year, rather sadly. Um, he made over 180 movies. So he made a cult movie in 1961 called The Awful Dr. Orlaff. But then his career kind of took a sideways turn. So he made a movie called The Two Female Spies with Flowered Panties. Uh, a penis for three. <laughs> not, not a free penis for <laughs> Night of the Open Vaginas and Lulu's Talking Bunghole. <laughs> and he also he's, he was named by the Catholic Church as the most dangerous director out there. So he was called Jesus. Jesus, well. yeah, Jesus Franco. Uh-huh. And then uh, Franco is the first name of the first Italian in space. So we have an astronaut was, who's the, the Jesus guy. Wasn't he was originally called Terence, but as they saw his film, they kept saying Jesus Franco. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's interesting. That's that's suddenly uh, you know take one name Franco and you, Lucy's you suddenly... talking bunghole. Lulu's talking. Lulu's sorry. Night sorry. of the open vaginas. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Is it like Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, I don't know. It's a zombie yeah, vagina. Walk thing. the earth at night. Yeah. Whoa! Did you know that used to be the theory about vaginas? They moved around the body. No, they would disappear into the middle of the night to go get food. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a book called. Uh, it, should be, book. it should be here. It should be here. It was called, blind Jesus Frank. It's called the story of V, and it was all about vaginas, the history of vaginas. Um, okay, the history of vaginas. The first notable vagina uh, was invented by the Earl of Savage, <laughs> who, who got hungry when he was playing cards. <laughs> The best thing I saw about people's names is I went onto Facebook and uh, NPR had done this post on Facebook saying, do you have a name which is similar to someone famous? If so, how has it affected your life? And there are 1,100 comments on there. I read through them all. (laughs) But there was um, a girl called Sharon Stone who said, if I had a book for every time someone said, are you wearing panties, I'd be as rich as the actress. Oh, a buck. I thought you said a book. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I if I had a book for every time I'd be able to have a very successful second hand bookshop yeah. 
uh, there was a guy called Dave Apps um, uh-huh. who had to get special permission from Facebook to have an account because his name was Apps. Oh, no. Yeah, which is pretty good. And there's also a guy called Nicholas Dragon. And he said, I don't think there's anyone famous with my name, but anytime I meet someone new, they say, wow, that's a cool name. <laughs> and a cool story, Nicholas. He's <laughs> not wrong. Um, did you guys know that uh, Samuel Johnson, I know we've got, so we found one we found and found the other Samuel Johnson, yeah. but actually there was a third Samuel So can you give Johnson. a repeat of what Yeah, of is. course. So one of the other QI researchers um, found that there was another Samuel Johnson alive at the same time as Samuel Johnson, you know, the guy who wrote the dictionary, um, who was a dr- sort of a dramatist and an entertainer performer who was also known as Lord Flame. Oh, uh, what a great name that is. Yeah. yeah. But there was a third Samuel Johnson who, so Samuel Johnson, the one we know about the dictionary, man was asked to do a translation of this great work by Fra Paolo I can't remember what it's called but anyway it was this great historical work it was big cheese at the time it was like the Harry Potter of its day and um, so Samuel Johnson was like yeah I'll do that started translating it then found out that they'd also asked another guy also called Samuel Johnson to do it and so he kind of was affronted. He was like, not only has someone else been asked to do it, but it's someone else called Samuel Johnson. And then there's this series of exchanges in newspapers where Samuel Johnson 1 is getting really angry with Samuel Johnson 2. <laughs> and eventually neither of them translated the work. They just got into this big skirmish and they both went, well, I'll sod it then. Fine, I'm not doing it. And, and then Lord Flame by came along and went, hi! <laughs> Watch me do a somersault. Oh, dance your translation. <laughs> Move on to our final fact. So, Andy, oh, we're coming me. to you. Yes. Okay. The fact is, the first contact lenses cost as much as a car. Wow. The first, what year was this? Well, they were invented in Germany in the late 1880s originally, and Britain was a bit late to it. Um, that was in the 1930s. But even in the 20s and 30s in Britain, so even though they'd been invented for 50 years, they were still that expensive. Wow. Yeah. So they weren't presumably things that you would change every day no 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 these were hard contact lenses proper sort of shell like ones and they were very thick as well so they could only be worn for two hours max at a time wow and then the irritation in your eye was so great that you had to take them out and initially you had to have a mould taken of your eye there are great videos um, if you look up on British Pathé News there are photos of people's eyelids being pulled apart this big mould being stuck in their eye and they're, they're sort of the promotional videos and the lady's saying look I, I, you look at how nice my eyes look now. I don't have to wear spectacles, and she's her eyes are watery. <laughs> clearly, in great, there veins everywhere. She's clearly in great pain. Of the mother's with a gun to her head. I've never known sure. such clever and ease. Oh, oh, it's really funny. You should look them up if you're listening. That's amazing. Uh, Maybe yeah. you can post it on your. Yeah, Twitter. I will. I'll put it on my Twitter, which is at Andrew Hunter M, uh, and you'll be able to see. So, yeah, that was the first contact lenses. So you, yeah. you actually found this out because you went to a museum, didn't you? I went to the Museum of the British Optical Association, uh, or British Ophthalmological Association. I didn't, I didn't remember the name of it, but I did go to it. Um, <laughs> it's in Charing Cross. Oh, okay. it's, it's great. There's just on the same street, five doors apart, there's Benjamin Franklin's house from when he lived here and this amazing museum. But you can only go around it by appointment. So you have to email the curator and say, I'd like to see all your cool stuff. And there's so much amazing stuff there. So not only that, the first ever soft contact lenses, i.e. much thinner and more comfortable, you had to, they came in a glass tube. And to get access to the lenses, you had to break open the glass tube. So there are now shards of glass. (laughs) (laughs) Near your contact lenses. (laughs) And the person promoting them was just crying blood. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. They were invented not to help you see, they were invented to shield people's eyes because there's a medical condition called keratotonus. Keratotonus. <laughs> <laughs> but very close. It's called keratotonus and it means you have a very very sensitive it's the cornea, is it at the front of the eye? Yeah. Um, yeah. and it and it also becomes pointed. And so they were invented to help people just wow. live their lives with intense pain no. and irritation. Mm. So, yeah, they were initially a, a medical thing in that sense rather than a, an eyesight thing. Yeah. Did you guys know that um, Abraham Lincoln's contact lenses were made of wood? <laughs> That's, <laughs> not, <laughs> That's, That's just not true. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not. I'm sorry. I've had this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I read about um, supposedly Rene Descartes made some uh, contact lenses that me- were made out of um, what there were fluid inside that would magnify things. Mm. But they stuck so far out of your eye that you couldn't blink when you had them in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> i tell you what, though, the early snow goggles uh, were made out of oh. caribou antler, weren't they? Really? Yeah, and they weren't oh. see-through. They just had a very s- small what? slit that you would be able to see through, and it would c- protect mm. your eyes when you were skiing. That's great. I guess that would work. Can we? I, was, I was surprised to read that 64% of people, supposedly, it's an estimate, wear glasses. Have you got contacts? In? Yeah, yeah, I've got them in now. Oh, you wear contacts? Yeah. Of course you do. They're made of wood. <laughs> yeah, I'll take them out in an hour and a half, though. <laughs> <laughs> You'll pay that loan off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for this week's episode. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be back again next week with a special edition of No Such Thing as a Fish. We've got two special guests, Greg Jenner, who's the historical consultant for the Horrible Histories show, and we've got an American comedian called Alex Edelman. Uh, until then, if you want to talk to us individually about some of the stuff that we said on the show, you can get me on at Schreiberland, James can be gotten on at Eggshaped, Andy can be gotten on at Andrew Hunter M. Anna is still not on Twitter, but if you want to get hold of her, at Wikipedia, she answers all of those from there. Or you could head straight away to our new podcast page, which is on qi.com slash podcast. We're going to put up videos, we're going to put up pictures from this episode, extra facts, links to show you where we got some of the information on. There's a lot to play with. So again, send us your feedback. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>